Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I heard, um, once I was told that, uh, or I heard a man of God use this line once. He says, if that clap was for me, that was too much. But if that clap was for Jesus, then that was too little. Now let's hear it up for Jesus Christ. Come on. Let's give him praise in the house tonight. Mighty God, God will love you. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to get you guys to stand up for a minute or two. I want to read this scripture. It's going to come up on the screen. It will be the introduction to what we're doing tonight. 1 Corinthians 2. And it says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature. Yet, not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. Now listen to this. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. That's like a statement of regret. See, if the devil could turn back the hands of the clock, he would not have orchestrated the crucifixion of Jesus. Because the Bible says, for this purpose, for this cause, was the Son of God manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. And that is what Jesus did and accomplished on the cross. He destroyed the works of the devil. Amen. And that work was complete when he rose again. Because the Bible says he humbled himself unto death. Even death on the cross. And God has highly exalted him and given him a name. That is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven, on earth, and underneath the earth. And so before we start tonight, I want you to understand that every stubborn circumstance in your life tonight would bow to the name of Jesus. Amen? Every sickness and every disease 
Why don't we lift up our hands to him tonight? Every sickness and every disease in the name of Jesus is cursed tonight. There is power in the name. There is power in the resurrection. For the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is right here tonight. If you believe that, shout amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. You may please be seated. Thanks, guys. If that was all I said tonight, that's the whole essence of Easter. I want to start by honoring our pastors, Pastor Hartley and Pastor Natley. It's always a privilege. Never take it for granted. Always a privilege to get the opportunity to share the word. Thank you for this opportunity. Now, Jesus Christ came in a humble way. He could have come in pomp and pageantry, but he chose to come in a manger. He grew up the son of a carpenter, but he knew who he was. The Bible says the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him in bodily form. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He fed thousands supernaturally. He hung out with tax collectors and sinners. He even forgave sins. He knew what people thought about him. Because he could look at the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he knew their thoughts. He recruited Judas as one of the twelve. But he knew that this guy was going to betray him. I don't know how he did it. If I could read your minds tonight. I'm so glad you're in church. I know none of you have any evil thoughts against me. I'm really, really loved by everyone here tonight. Correct? So, but Jesus was in a crowd of people that some of them didn't even like him. And he knew. He knew their thoughts, but he dealt with it. He was calm. And he was cool. He had uh, Judas with him. For three years, this guy, he knew that this guy was going to betray me one day. But he empowered him even to heal the sick. What kind of God is that? It could only be Jesus. Eventually, Judas betrayed him. A friend betrayed him. Sold him for 30 pieces of silver. And he had to face the cross. The cross was difficult. The cross was brutal. The cross was ugly and callous and sad. But the cross was also a mystery. And an incomprehensible one at that. Incomprehensible to the natural mind. Because interwoven 
in the cross was God's wisdom. Interwoven in that cross was God's purpose. Interwoven in the cross was God's plan for the redemption of humanity. Amen? The cross was a practical demonstration of God's love for humanity. The cross is the gospel. The good news. What is the gospel? You know, the first time I read through the Bible was in my late 20s. I was a single man. And I was hungry for God. So I'm going to encourage all the single people in the house today. Before life gets complicated. <laughs> before you start changing nappies. Be hungry for God. Seek him. Because when you seek him, you will find him. So when I read through the scriptures, I, I remember reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I noticed that there was something different about the gospel of John. Because when you read the scriptures, when you're hungry, even when you're full, but not satisfied, according to Brittany Sabat. When you have read and prayed and you're full, but not satisfied and you, you're hungry for more. You read again. God speaks to you when you read the scriptures. So when I read the scriptures, I noticed there was something different about John. The book of John. Before I went to Bible college, I found out that, you know, John was one of those in Jesus' call group. It was one of the 12, but when he came to, you know, uh, raising uh, Jairus' daughter, Jesus picked Peter, James, and John. When he came to the mountain of transfiguration, it was Peter, James, and John. Even before the cross at Gethsemane, Peter, James, and John. The Bible says John was one of those that, if they were in a table, Eating. John was one of those that would lean against Jesus and put his head on Jesus' chest. So they were that close. So I take seriously what I read from the book of John. Amen? So the gospel really is what is found in John 3.16. And that's what I'll be preaching on tonight. And I'm going to borrow a leaf from Pastor Hart. This morning, Pastor Harley spent some time on a single word called but. I'm going to spend some time on a single word called for. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world. You've heard this before. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, um, if you have a toddler, I'm just going to use this example. It's a hypothetical one. I'm, it might not be so hypothetical. It could happen in real life. My daughter, Rachel, between the ages of two and three, toddler, she's sitting and watching the TV. So there's a TV, there's a carpet, and there's a couch. But she would not sit on the couch. She will sit on the carpet. 
I say, Rachel, can you sit on the couch? And she goes, why? Because you're too close to the TV. Why? That's going to ruin your eyes. Why? And kids do that. They just ask, why, 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 why? And what do you do? Find a remote control, turn the TV off. <laughs> and she's like, okay, I'll sit on the couch. And turn back the TV on. It's the wisdom of, of a dad. One of those things you learn. And so you get that done. And cut the wise short. But we also ask questions sometimes. I remember engaging in a conversation with someone a long time ago. And, you know, the conversation went like this. I went blah, blah, blah. And she went yada, yada, yada. And I went blah, blah, blah. And she went yada, yada, yada. And I went blah, blah, blah. Because that's how conversations go. You say something and they say something. You say something and they say something. That's how a conversation should go. But there are some people that would go on for like 20 minutes and you're like, can I say something? I know none of you is like that here, but like. So I was having this conversation with this person and it got to a stage where she goes, yada, yada, yada. And I was, I was like, why? Because I wanted to know more. And she goes, because. I was like, because of what? She goes, because. And I was new in Australia, fairly new in Australia. I never knew you could end a conversation with because. <laughs> and that was the end of the conversation. I couldn't get any further thing out. But, you know, after I became an Australian and I got my citizenship, it's one of those lines I use with the kids these days <laughs> where they ask you why you go because. You know, but God wants us to know why. God does not want us to keep us in suspense. And so the very first word in John 3.16 is for. And you can easily replace that word with because. And it would mean exactly the same thing. It says for. This is the why, the reason for God. So loved for God, because God, which God? In India, they have thousands of God. In Nigeria, we have there's, there's a, what they call the African traditional religion. They have the God of iron, the God of the waters, the God of thunder, you know, and some people worship animals. But this Bible is saying, for God, which God? This is God Almighty, the creator of the universe, the king of kings and the lord of lords, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the ending, the first and the last. God Almighty, the creator of the universe, for God's soul. I'm, I'm, I'm going to move a bit fast. So, 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 so. So is just the depth of his love. The intensity of his love. For God so loved. That's a huge word. And this love is not any kind of love. It's divine love. 
It's not the kind of love you get when you, you know, you get your first boyfriend or your first girlfriend, like, talking on the phone for hours on end and nobody's, it's not that kind of love. I know that's a good one, but it's not that kind of, I love my wife, but this is deeper than that kind of, this is divine love. This is reckless love. Love without bounds. Love without guards. When your guards are down, you know they often say that love is blind. A girl will be in love and you're telling her that that guy is not good for you. Every other person sees what is wrong with the guy, but she doesn't see it because she is blind. Love is blind. But this is bigger than that kind of love. This is reckless love. This is pure love. This is unadulterated love. This is Love that is inconceivable and inconceivable and unprecedented and unrestrained and unrestricted. This is love that is lavish and extravagant. This is love that is deep and intense. The kind of love he had for Lazarus. He knew Lazarus was dead. He knew he was going to raise him up from the dead. But when he got to Lazarus' tomb, he still wept. Deep. Passionate. Pure and pristine, unadulterated, undiluted and unmitigated love. Incomprehensible and incom inexplicable love. Love that is everlasting and never ending. Love that is not transient. Love that is unconditional. Love that is unfailing. Jesus met a woman at the well. That was a love that was intentional and targeted, and focused on one individual. Love that surpasses knowledge, according to Ephesians 3.19. The love that would pursue you to the very end, just to rescue you. The love that would light up shadows, kick down walls, climb every mountain to rescue you. Love that is unconditional. For God so loved the world. Romans 8, 38 to 39 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither pr the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in the, all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. For God so loved the world. The world, you and I, were the target of his love. Love that we cannot understand. Love that we celebrate. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. In Paul's blurred vision, in Paul seeing darkly, Paul seeing dimly, says this about love. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 7. It says, if I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but I did not I didn't love others. I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had a gift of prophecy 
And if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and sacrificed my body, if I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable and keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever truth wins. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. This is Paul's perception of love. This is not the way God loves. God loves a million times more than this. So when God loves, he really does love. Because love True love never fails. It's not the Barry White kind of love. <laughs> Have you heard that song? It's not 60 40 and 70 30. 50 50 love. It's not that kind of love. It's, it's got to be 100%. This is marriage counseling, guys, for those who are married. 100% from me and 100% from Vivian. It's not like, well, you didn't iron my clothes, so I'm not going to give you dinner. I'm not saying that's the way we roll. That's not the way we roll. But like, it's 100% both ways. Amen? If I can have the music team come up, please. For God so loved the world, the world, humanity, you and I are the targets of this extravagant love that he gave. Love is active, not passive. Love gives. God's love gave his only, gave his best, gave his all. For God's love also had a purpose. The purpose of God's love is that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 1 John 4.17 says this. It says, Love has been perfected among us in this that we have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is so are we in this world if Christ has risen which he has and we have risen with him and seated with him in heavenly places if the Spirit of God dwells in us. Then the question is, how do we love? As he is, 
so are we in this world. Christ was a representation of God Almighty. You and I are Christians. We are a representation of Jesus Christ. My question to you tonight is, how do you love? How do you love your neighbor? How do you love your spouse? How do you love your friends? Because the consummation of the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ was to give you and I eternal life, eternal relationship with God Almighty to be called the children of God. Tonight, the God kind of love, as I've described tonight, or as the Bible describes it, is perhaps impossible with you and I in our human power. But when we become Christians, when we become born again, when we are born of the Spirit, not of flesh and of blood, the capacity to begin to love as Christ loved us becomes a possibility. 